Hello and welcome back to the EarFuel podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark and you can follow me on Twitter at at GetEarFuel and at The Daily Guru. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under EarFuel and at GetEarFuel.com. So this is usually an off week for the podcast, but with the sad passing of the great Chuck Berry over the weekend, I felt that it was more than necessary to put together this special episode as there is quite literally nobody nobody in the history of music that shares the same critical importance and massively wide and lasting impact as Chuck Berry. I know that a lot of people sort of relegate Chuck Berry to the music of the 50s and the 60s, you know, that that old-style early rock thing, but that's not actually very accurate. So I wanted to take some time to both celebrate the man, as well as discuss just why he was and will remain a true musical paragon. Let me get this out of the way at the top. Without Chuck Berry, rock and roll doesn't happen. Seriously. Every person who picked up a guitar after 1955 was in some way influenced by him, and for my money, he is the true king of rock and roll. But let's step back and get some sonic reference, because there are so many Chuck Berry songs that have become standard that people sort of lose track of just how many of them come from the mind and talents of Chuck Berry. As we jump through a few of them real quick, I think you'll agree that he basically invented the kick-ass guitar riff. Just let me hear some of that rock and roll music, any old way you choose it, it's got a backbeat you can. Well, I'm gonna write a little letter, I'm gonna mail it to my local DJ. Yeah, it's a jumping little record, I want my jockey to play. Yep, all Chuck Berry, and all released before 1959. But those weren't even his biggest songs of that decade, as those two songs, the two that are perhaps most synonymous with Chuck Berry, at least in my mind, I think they deserve their own discussion. One of those two huge songs is going to turn 59 years old at the end of this month. So when I play it, keep that in mind. It is close to 60. Think about that. What other things in your life are in that age range? How do you perceive those things approaching 60 in terms of, you know, cool factor or relevancy to modern times and sounds? Probably not the most hip or with it things you know, right? Well, this song begs to differ. The lead riff remains one of the outright best, along with most iconic. It's one of those riffs that the instant it starts, not only do you know it, but it totally lights up a room. And the song itself? I mean, you'd honestly be hard-pressed to find a more important song to the history and development of rock and roll. The lyric was really the first coming-of-age style song. It's been used in so many movies and TV shows, and everyone from Jimi Hendrix to Peter Tosh to Buck Owens to Judas Priest to the Beatles have recorded their own version. I mean, this song was so important to the culture of the world that it was the track picked to represent youth and rock music on the golden record that's aboard the Voyager interstellar spacecraft that they launched back in 1977. Yeah, if aliens have record players, they're gonna hear this song. Oh, and just so you understand the idea that some things never change, 
when they announced that this song would be one of a handful on the Golden Record, it caused a ton of controversy, as people felt rock and roll was an adolescent thing in 1977. None other than Carl Sagan himself stepped in to defend the choice and dropped one of my favorite smartass remarks of all time when he said, quote, Well, thankfully, there are a ton of adolescents on the planet, so it's fitting to have them represented. Sagan also wrote a letter to Chuck Berry, letting him know that on the golden record, his song would last a billion years or more. It's not bad for an early rock and roll song. The song itself is one you no doubt know very, very well. It's about a country boy. You know, he never learned to read or write so well, but he could play a guitar just like ringing a bell. Ringing a bell, go, go! I don't know about you, but Johnny Be Good is about as perfect a rock and roll song as you'll ever find. Ever. And Chuck Berry is both the writer and lyricist for it, and yes, it is somewhat autobiographical. He actually wrote the song in 1955, and he changed the original lyric of A Colored Boy to A Country Boy because he wanted it to get more radio airplay. Also, Chuck Berry was born at 2520 Good Avenue in St. Louis. And for those wondering, yes, the opening riff is essentially a copy of the solo on the song Ain't That Just Like a Woman, which was also later copied by the Beach Boys on Fun Fun Fun, but that's a different story. Adding to that, if you were a kid in the 80s, chances are this song was the true representation of the 1950s, thanks to what might be the most memorable moment from the first Back to the Future film. You remember that one? Michael J. Fox on stage and he says he's gonna play an oldie? Yeah, that was Johnny B. Good. And he even does Chuck Berry's trademark duck walk during the scene, but we're going to get to more on that in a bit. So Johnny Be Good, I mean, that's like the song, right? Eh, Maybe. Because there's another Chuck Berry classic we need to study for a moment, and that's the very first single released in July of 1955 and simply titled Maybelline. Not only is it Chuck Berry's first single, but many, myself included, will argue it was one of the very first true rock and roll songs. And it's almost impossible to count or even consider the number of later songs that used Maybelline as the lyrical blueprint. The song is basically about a hot rod car race along with a story of young love and lust. I know it's cliche to say you don't get more rock and roll than that, but this is where that idea begins. The reckless abandon of youth, young lust, yeah, it all starts with Maybelline. Maybelline, why can't you be true? Oh, Maybelline, why can't you be true? You done started doing the things you used to do. You've got it all right there. Rhythm and blues and country smashing together, and the result is beautiful, pure rock and roll. I can't understate just how much Maybelline marks the beginning of a new era of music. Released in July of 1955, that means it precedes Elvis Presley's first single by almost a full seven months. And let's be honest, it's a hell of a lot more rock and roll than Heartbreak Hotel. You've also got the proper guitar solo in the center, and again, it really wasn't done on record until Maybelline rolls along. So let's put it all together. Fast cars, women, guitar solos, unfaithful women, lust, broken hearts. Find me something more quintessential rock and roll than that. 
and all before Elvis Presley even makes a peep. Oh, and for those of you who need more credibility as to Chuck Berry's rock and roll badassedness, well, I mean, he did do jail time for allegedly having sex with a teenage waitress in the 50s. Yeah, jailbait. Now that is rock and roll. Speaking of lust, after serving his time in 1964, Chuck took things to a new level with a track I think we can all relate to in the most frustrating of ways. No particular place to go. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile My curiosity running wild If you've never paid attention to those lyrics, the protagonist is having a nice evening drive with his favorite girl, things are going really, really well, and he decides he finally wants to tell her how he feels, and maybe cop some feels. So they find a romantic, secluded spot to park, and he wants to take her for a quick walk so they can, you know, get a bit more friendly. Well, his wants and lust and desires are ultimately squashed by a broken seatbelt. As the story goes, he just can't get her seatbelt unfashioned, and they end up having to call it a night early because they need professional help to get her out of the seat. I think this song helps everyone to feel a bit more normal, knowing that even back then, karma often stepped in to ruin the best of evenings. Oh, and you know what? Before I forget, one other musical note. Along with being the soundtrack to one of the most iconic film scenes of the 80s that we discussed in Back to the Future... Chuck Berry did the same in the 1990s, 1994 to be exact. You don't remember it? Well, let me reset the scene in your mind. The place is a retro restaurant called Jack Rabbit Slims. There's a stage in the center, and on the left of that stage, we have Uma Thurman playing the character of Mia Wallace. On the right, John Travolta as Vincent Vega. Yep, the famous twist contest scene from Pulp Fiction. And it's Chuck Berry's song, You Never Can Tell, in the background. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished him well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. The song perfectly matched the feel for the moment and the overall film, and it's a key part of one of the best movie soundtracks around. So yeah two consecutive decades of defining music and film. Now, let me shift things a bit here to sort of a non-musical element of Chuck Berry that also rippled through the entire history of music, his stage presence. Until Chuck Berry came along, musicians basically stood on stage all proper-like, and they played their songs in a pleasant, unnoticed manner. But then Chuck Berry decided to reintroduce the world to what is commonly called the duck walk. Unfortunately, due to this being an audio medium, I can't really do better than describing the duck walk, which is when a guitarist sort of partially squats and then moves forward in that position, still squatting down. Usually there's a kick of the leg to make it look cool. You know what? Just go hit up the Googles and you'll see what I'm talking about. Chuck was really the first to do this in a rock and roll setting, and in more modern times, you've definitely seen it done in a bit wilder way by Angus Young from ACDC. Now, he's far from the only one, though. Keith Richards did it when he was a bit younger. And, well, actually, you know what? The list of musicians who does this from time to time goes on and on and on. But Chuck Berry was the first to make it cool. Speaking of Keith, few bands pointed to Chuck Berry as an influence as often and as heavily as the Rolling Stones did throughout their entire career. 
They covered tons of his songs, and quite often they brought him out on stage. Both Mick and Keith nod to Chuck for the playing style and sound, and as the story goes, Keith and Chuck even came to blows one evening in the 80s. Apparently, Keith was backstage at a Chuck Berry show, and Chuck had left the room for a minute to go get paid or something like that. So Keith saw his guitar and decided to have a quick play on the Legends guitar. Mind you, by this point, they'd known each other and been playing on stage with each other for a few decades. So Chuck comes back into the room, and he shouts at Keith that nobody touches his guitar and punched him in the face. Yeah, you don't mess with a man's guitar. Now, another British band, you might have heard of them, they're called The Beatles, particularly John Lennon, cited Chuck countless times for his importance. In fact, John famously said, quote, If you had to give rock and roll another name, you might call it Chuck Berry. And, of course, The Beatles did a really awesome cover of Roll Over Beethoven. You just can't go very far in a conversation about music, including the greatest bands of all time, without stumbling across a heavy influence from Chuck Berry. Since we're speaking of performance, Chuck Berry was still playing live in the 80s. Like we said, the Keith Richards incident, I think, happened in like 87 or 89. And he was also playing in the 90s and the 2000s. And even as recently as, oh, a few months ago. Yeah, no joke. Chuck was actually set to release his first record of new material this year. The guy was 90 and still writing and playing new tunes and still regularly performing live. There's this local restaurant in his neighborhood in St. Louis. It's called Blueberry Hill. And Chuck played there once a month until just a few years ago. This is just a guy who had to play. It was, it was in his being. He was rock and roll. There's just no parallel or even close parallel for Chuck Berry and his impact on the world of music and the world in general. Dylan called him the Shakespeare of rock and roll. Springsteen called him the greatest pure rock and roll writer ever. And the Washington Post once called him the patron saint of rock and roll. It's honestly hard to find the proper way to convey just how critically important Chuck Berry was to the development of music. People go on and on and on about this. I'm doing the same. But if you remove Chuck Berry from the timeline, I'm honestly not sure rock and roll happens. Really. I truly believe that you can remove damn near any artist or band from the history of music and things will generally come out the same way because, you know, there's enough other bands and musicians doing something similar to compensate. But Chuck Berry is such an originator. He's so near the top of the rock and roll family tree. And you know what? He may very well be the top of the tree that I just don't think you can remove him and have rock and roll work out. He's just so early and so important to the process. It's sort of, I mean, he's sort of the big bang of rock and roll. There's not a rock musician after him that didn't owe their career to Chuck Berry. And to this day, people picking up guitars for the first time will undoubtedly find themselves trying to work out the glorious riffs of Chuck Berry. He was beyond an icon. He was beyond a pioneer. Chuck Berry was and always will be the very essence of rock and roll. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, you know that at the end of each episode, I assign an album to listen to in full without any distractions or interruptions. Since this is a very special episode of sorts, your assignment is to go spend a half hour with the catalog of Chuck Berry. There are so many phenomenal moments that I'd like you to try and listen to with fresh ears. These songs have become so deeply ingrained in culture that it's sometimes forgotten just how damn amazing and influential they were and remain. So yeah, 
go spend some time with the Chuck Berry catalog and dig into the outstanding riffs and lyrics and just songs that he left for generations to enjoy and learn from. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at at GetEarFuel and at the Daily Guru, and let me know your favorite Chuck Berry track. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under EarFuel and at GetEarFuel.com. That is your weekly EarFuel. Share and enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs>